Well, here we are for the, the follow-up to our most recent Godzilla Anime 1. Now we're covering Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle. So I'm very excited about this one. This one gets into some stuff that I that I really enjoy. Um, and we all watch it this time, so there's a little bit of a change. Big change. Big change. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, those in between, uh, get your, you know, either Netflix copies or if you bought a Japanese copy that somehow has the English version on it. I don't know how that's incredible use of software engineering right there. Please get timestamp zero. And when you are already, please press play right now. Nice. I just got mine ready right before you said that <laughs> Netflix. There we go. Original Netflix series, not movie series. Oh yeah. There you go. It's also weird that we didn't do the. Uh, it's it's so weird that I, I just realized that we didn't do the randomizer last night or last time. Excuse me. Yep. Yeah, not till the next one. Feels so out of character for us. <laughs> I do like that Toho animation uh, logo. I've never seen it before. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's really cool as well. But I don't know if they've done any other animated properties since. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not too sure. You know what? Maybe I should probably look that up. I'll look into it right now. Thank you, sir. I forget, Caleb, are you looking at the, are you watching the English version of this or are you watching the Japanese version of this? Oh, I should have put it to English, but it's, yeah, Japanese again. Oh, boo. Oh, no. Wait, why? What happens? That's what I watched it on earlier. Yeah, I'm, yeah, what? <laughs> What's the difference? Oh, no, just, you know, the difference is you get, it, it becomes, the movie becomes more of a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you have the English, yeah. Oh, no, I know, but we can't even hear it, though, is what I'm saying. We just see the... Oh, I I can. Oh, okay. I've got uh, a headphone plugged into my Xbox controller. Uh, I yeah, I normally don't do that. I can't do that. I'll be too distracted. But um, let's see. Yeah, for you, Eric, when you watched this earlier, were you watching in the English or the the Japanese one? Um. Oh. Oh, I told you guys. Um, I oh, yeah, usually that's... default to English. Um because I'm lazy and I multitask and I'll, I'll be multitasking with the, with the um, sub version that I'll miss a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so it doesn't work for me generally. However, something I started doing a couple of years ago, every now and then, because Netflix is so good with many multiple languages being available, I will watch some anime in Spanish sometimes. Um, and sometimes interesting things happen with different series when you watch it in another language besides English uh, and Japanese. But um, so I watched a little bit of it in Spanish. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. Oh, uh, just to quickly cut in. I like that we had that little it was almost like a little recap. But then we got from the other perspective of the people on the ship. I thought that was a good way to uh immediately jump us back into the action. And I also really like this little little opening here for the uh, the title. This looked especially cool on my 4K TV. Yeah, I'd like to see a, a Bond opening like this where he's like, it's it's a river of, of metal and we just see images of, well, Bond imagery. I think that'd be pretty cool. Some half-naked chicks rolling around in it and <laughs> half-naked Bond. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of um, uh, the world is not enough, although they do that with oil and uh, 
Yeah, it doesn't look the best, but yeah. And then here's this little bit. It's it's kind of fun that we had that little uh, post credit scene in the last one. Gave us a little bit of an introduction here, but if people didn't see that, might be a little bit surprised that he's not uh, still under all that wreckage. <laughs> to all those who haven't seen the first movie, movie, welcome to this movie. Or sorry, welcome to Breath of the Wild. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, I did have some of those thoughts. I mean, you said you said so last commentary, so I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it's just Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I completely forgot. <laughs> But yeah, they very much do. They have that. Oh, I can't remember what that race is called. Uh, sh, uh, sh, oh, it starts with the S. Um, Shika, Shika, the Shika people. They have that aesthetic of the Shika people from Breath of the Wild. Hmm. Yeah, we got a little bit of this. A... Was 2018. Sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I said with all the little bits of stuff all over him, that was a little bit of a, I guess, a little setup for some of the stuff later in the movie. Yes, he's positively glowing with glitter and glimmer. <clears throat> no, I'm just like, okay, so this movie came out in 2018, I think early first quarter, second quarter, 2018. And then the third film came in like fourth quarter, 2018. So I'm just trying to, and Breath of the Wild came in a year. So no, what is, uh, this is just a coincidence. Yeah, mostly. But a lot of things do ring like seem similar. Yeah, Breath of Wild came out in 2017, but it was under development for five or six years before that. Mm. Yeah, indeed. And this could have this both these films could have been made probably about as close as they could have been. Um, one obviously being helmed faster, not faster, but further than the other. So this probably was a bit of. Uh, it took a bit longer, so I, I don't think there was any overlap. I think that uh, most likely what happened was they just drew from the same sources. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, who's to say what that stuff comes from? I would say episode six, Ewoks. Episode six, Ewoks. <laughs> I was thinking a little bit of Ewoks. But the, that's not what I was thinking. Even some of the Wookiee city, you could see a little bit of it there. I, I, I doubt that. I'm just like goofing around here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was thinking of it, though. Nah, it was the uh, it was the in the dang Ewok TV films. That's what they were taken from. Oh God, here we go. I do think that they're a very pretty design, though. These uh, Mothra people. Hey, the, spoilers. Hatuo, Hatuo. I think it is Hatuo. Can't be spoiling that stuff. We don't know who. We don't know who that lady well, is. They, they make it pretty clear in this one. <laughs> Can I be honest with that? Like, I I actually thought they were uh as people. Oh, yeah, I was actually going to ask, um, when did it become clear for you guys that they were the, the twins, the fairy twins? When they said, they're twins, and then they started singing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Seriously, that's when I had the thought, and I was like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. That's fair. I would say I didn't... I didn't get it until like the very like third like when it's spelled out completely like who the what that egg is because I thought oh wait did like either uh, lay an egg that's pretty cool yeah you know it's kind of funny we've actually never really covered Mothra in this whole series so far yeah we saw her very briefly in our first one that we did back in like 2019 which is when I watched this the first time so I had no idea like I watched this before I watched Ghidra so. That's why I'm just like, um, I don't get the prevalence here between these two twins. Excuse me. 
Yeah, I started to catch on once there was apparent that there was two of them. I was like, oh my good gosh, is it going to be Mothra? And I got so excited. Yeah, and so. I didn't even realize, you know, the antennae on their, on their, what do you call it, on, the, on their head there. <laughs> Pretty cool. We'll see that. Oh, and uh, here's that, what I said last commentary about how we get a uh, better understanding and or a good description of how to say his name. So... So Toho Animation actually has produced tons of stuff, uh, but most of it is like anime series, and most of them I'm unfamiliar with. Um, but they did do a feature, Weathering With You, 2019. Um, they did that, eh? And some other stuff that I recognize is, of course, Godzilla Singular Point. So they produced that as well. Wow. Yeah, I think you saw, I don't think we saw it together, but you also saw Weathering With You in the theater, right? I did. I actually have the collector's box with me. Oh, you picked up the Blu-ray? Not my hand right now, but I do. Yeah, I picked up the Blu-ray. I think it's the 4K. Let me, let me see here. Hmm. I like this little scene here. Got some cool uh, music going. Limited collector's edition. It was the 4K UHD and Blu-ray of the film. Oh wow, that makes sense. Hmm. That does. Make sense. Oh yeah, toe right there. I'm a I'm a goof. Whoops. <laughs> it's uh, mostly because it offered the soundtrack, which you know rarely do. I I seriously wish that more like films or at least you know hmm. indie films did that where they offer the soundtrack because they're not gonna get the uh, well that's not true certain. <laughs> I don't know if they'll get it on Spotify or not, but like man, like sometimes I just wish like soundtracks came with discs yeah I mean, even if it was a digital code yeah and that mu that movie looks just beautiful i definitely gotta pick that up on 4k as well really really pretty quick did you also ever see your name no i haven't seen that one yet your name's eric right <laughs> oh come on <laughs> um your name 2016 the anime film that one i haven't seen it absolutely love it uh i saw it at the theater in in the, in the u.s so worth it i would love it gorgeous gorgeous animation uh very realistic on the the um what do you call it the scenery the um backgrounds it's like hyper realistic at times uh but it's it's all 2d none of it's well you know, hardly any of it's 3d i think mo there's actually a lot of 3d in it you just they disguise it properly um yeah that film took over the world yeah 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 that that's how that's why i heard about it at the time but totally love it totally love it Let's put it this way. Even though I didn't see it when they both characters showed up in Weathering With You, I knew exactly who they were. Was it from the same director? Yep. Is it the same oh, director? Oh. Yep. Okay, because that's his name. Because all his stuff, even his early stuff from 20 years ago, um, he was always into like the hyper-realism of the, the backgrounds in, in all his works. So then Weathering With You must look similar then. Did he also make the Garden of Words, Isaac? Do you, do you remember? Uh, I don't know about that. Anyway, the guy, by the way, his name is Makoto Shinkai. The next Miyazaki, it would seem. Uh, well, except Miyazaki is more like whimsical kitty stuff, and his stuff gets kind of. I like, just mean uh, in. I I mean more in. Pardon me for interrupting. I I mean more in um influence and or glory. Maybe not glory, but fame. Um, what what's the term? Yeah, and I would disagree on on uh, 
Miyazaki being more kiddie. Some of his films are that way, but definitely not all of them. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, or is his are more like melodrama, um, sort of. Yeah, he did make The Garden of Words, which is another great film. Really, really great. But yeah, here we go. Going coming to the uh, the the Hotuo's. Uh, I keep forgetting how to say that. Their little underground city here, or I guess more like underground village. It's not quite cityish, but right. I was thinking about what is it, Genosha? Is that what it's called? <laughs> An Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I could see that. Well, only Isaac's going to get this reference, but I kept thinking of that one episode of uh, the Super Friends we watched. <laughs> When they go down to the lava It pit. goes back to that every single <laughs> year. I just can't help seeing it in my brain every time I see this kind of underground area. He had a big... That that show had a big impact on this man. <laughs> I love oh that goodness. one. I gotta look up the episode name. Uh, well, anyway, yes. This, um, I wonder if this is the inside of a collapsed lava pit. Or lava dome, excuse me. Would make sense. Yeah, or something they just... They haul it out for their... Because I guess they're kind of insect people now. Which we can discuss some of that. What what do you guys think of that element? How well do you think they got that across? I don't I mean, feel it at all except for where they live. <laughs> oh, you don't really feel... Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, they have that, that kind of odd skin with a little powdery bit on it. A little moth-like. But <laughs> yeah, it doesn't come across super well. They They also have the ESP thing going on kind of separate themselves from regular oh parts, i forgot but... they do have bangs that look like moths as well yeah <laughs> i forgot about that because i noticed their bangs were so weird and i didn't realize oh it's a moth i was gonna go into a whole like how they're basically another alien race from star trek toss uh but then i could say the same thing about the bilisarians and the exes um and how they're you know they're aliens but they're basically they're they're all humanoids and there's only like one feature that distinguishes them from these humans here. Right, right. Well, I t- yeah, that's that's true. It, and it it is mirrored in Star Trek, especially TOS. But I took and I kind of said it last time, even though I didn't know what I didn't even realize there was alien species until y'all pointed it out to me uh, in the previous movie. But I still stand by that um, the. Uh, Whatever they're called. Oh, great. I don't even know what the aliens are called. But you know the ones who resemble elves? I think not only do they resemble elves visually, but they resemble elves in the way they are often portrayed in in fantasy things. And the other guys are a little combination. But they're kind of like dwarves, though, um, because they are more about technology and mechanism, and they are more just like, let's get to the point. they're not into lofty ideas. Um, so that's how I just kind of, and then humans are just kind of like in the middle, you know? Um, yeah. That's kind of how it kind of took And I do like this little scene here where um, it's setting up a little bit of the more villainous dynamic that the Bill of Saluto are going to take in this one. When their immediate response is, let's just wipe out all these bug people. Like they're in our way. Let's just kill them. Right. So a little bit of a setup for some of the dramatic weight later in the film. What is it? Starship Troopers? Have you have you seen that I yet? Still I haven't. <laughs> oh man. Well, there's. I, I'm gonna do the same thing I did. I. Well, geez, that's an excellent movie, based on an excellent book, based on an excellent author. Um... Okay, like I'll do with Science of the Lambs. Read the book first, then watch the movie. Oh, I suppose that's fair. 
Like, see, somehow the, the design here, the image, even though it looks like, you know, um, a scarab from Egyptian yeah. uh, architecture, I thought it was Ghidorah. I remember it just, yeah, I was so excited during this moment. I was like, holy crap, here we go. I thought that wall was going to open up and we'd see Mothra behind it, but sadly we don't. But See, the what what gave it away was, not away, but what, what made me think it was uh, Ghidorah was just because uh, they said... What is it? Uh, the enemy of Godzilla. So I'm like, well, Ghidorah is because in every media I've seen, Mothra is usually an ally of Godzilla's. And mm -hmm. turns out I'm a completely ignorant fan who doesn't realize that uh, it's an interesting relationship Mothra and Godzilla have with each other. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they're never fully aligned, really. They, it's more like um, contentious allies, except for some of the more you know silly ones where, yeah, they're just tag team partners in their rock'em sock'em kind of fest <laughs> yes uh, alliance of convenience yeah that's what it usually yeah is played as yeah and again I'm, I'm curious does the kind of esp powers emanate from the egg in these kind of bug folks are just able to challenge or challenge, challenge. <laughs> ch channel it that's what, that's what it kind of seems like it to me like what you just said Mm. But they channel it. Yeah, no, they 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 just said right there, um, omnidisciplinary scientist right there, Leland. I think no, not Leland. Adam, Adam. No. Uh, Adam. He basically just stated that they they have limited psychic powers, but the uh, with, with the twins they can amplify from the egg itself. Mm. Again, I like this moment here where they're even though they're holding them hostage they're still you know more peaceful and they're like okay just what are you doing here i think they're a fun kind of mirror to the uh more warlike villa saluto that we see later in the the movie and this group has completely rejected technology just returned to like the natural kind of order of things although they haven't fallen to submission of godzilla like the rest of the planet now they have their own kind of monster god that they worship yeah, I would, I would also state that they are also a good reflection contrast of the Exif as well, uh, just because each each uh, each species here has their own god. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I'll, I'll get I'll I'll leave that till later. Obviously, I'll probably <laughs> yes. put a pin in that. But you you kind of see what I mean. At least right now we have uh, these these uh, Hutos. Uh, <laughs> pardon me. Um, <laughs> But the, the yes, Mothra's people here worship Mothra, and then Godzilla is obviously for the humans. And we'll see. And they've kind of spelled it already the, uh, in the last film that the Bill Saluto are with Mechagodzilla, and we'll see who the Exif are with. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say the humans necessarily. They're, I think their god is just the the planet itself. Sure, but I also would say that Godzilla represents the Earth as well. So they, they ah. each of them are the same. I don't know if I'd quite say that. I don't know if he quite represents the the Earth. Interesting. This particular version. I see. Okay. Yeah. I guess there's a. Because I mean, you see what he's uh, what he's done to it. He's kind of perverted it in, in a, as a result of just the humans' corruption of the planet. It's kind of corrupted I'm, the whole thing I'm, in its own image. I'm. I haven't figured that out yet. I mean, what you were just talking about, because is the planet now. And if if you say Godzilla is, is the planet, is it just representative of what the world would be like if humans didn't exist at all? 
and and this is and Godzilla's no like, no because again they they hammer home many times over that when hum when humanity gets too advanced with their technology they destroy the environment too much Godzilla is created to kind of the in most kind of versions it's to restore order but it's almost like Godzilla is like a creation of the the greed and the kind of ugliness of humanity just embodied and he just wipes it out but you mean in this or you mean in general in this movie that's what i think he is supposed to be like a manifestation of human ugliness and the element that's against nature mm, i don't know the way i looked at it just in this movie is godzilla is one with the planet as is the metaphor for the planet and yes, humans are all about you know wrecking the planet and all that kind of stuff, um, and being like an infection on the planet, um, or something that hurts the planet. And so, if humans were just gone or annihilated, and the planet was left to its own devices, the planet, aka Godzilla, then this is what the world would be like without human influence. So it it's just nature left to its own devices. Nature, aka Godzilla. Yeah, I think the key to my my reading of it comes down to Haro, or have you say his name? Haro. Haro. He believes in kind of the traditional Japanese way of you know, humans are part of nature and there's a balanced nature and humans have to respect the planet. Whereas Godzilla, when he came, like I said, is kind of a manifestation of their corruption of it. He just makes the planet submit to him and everything. Imitates him, everything becomes him, kind of showing humanity. I, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I tend to think of Godzilla in this and in other things as like the flood or whatever. The and the flood metaphorically being the response to humans running amok, but being like the ultimate force of nature. And then I think of Godzilla as being like the flood in that way, the thing to wipe, yeah, things, wipe the slate clean again. Yeah, that's how he's usually represented in most movies. I think they have a bit of a different take here. And I think a good mirror for him is kind of Mechagodzilla. And more is just um, the all-consuming nature of technology that the Billis Ludos create for their kind of god villain. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not exactly sure how all the details come across for why their version of the god monster is different than the human's version. Because, yeah, the Godzilla here, he did kind of create more of like an, I don't know, what is it like a radiated, irradiated Earth with all the. No, because if it was an irradiated Earth, they'd all need to be wearing their unless their suits are uh, able to su- survive in a radiated environment. No, I didn't. There was no. Uh, they didn't make any mention, at least in the last movie, that the planet itself is radioactive. Hey, don't worry. It's not. It's not like if they drop a match, the whole like atmosphere is going to blow up. It's not like Battlefield Earth, okay? They're, oh, I think not. they're fine in that. Um, yeah, it's not exactly how it would work. But but just all these plants and stuff are like, and there's all this like smog everywhere. I thought that was all coming from Godzilla. Smog? Oh, the fog, yeah. Uh, yes and no. Oh. I, I thought it was more like it's the way the plants have changed. Again, their biology is rapidly changed from... Uh, when we were in charge and, and we had dominance over the earth. So in, in almost a way, everything is kind of similar to what the Bill Saluto were saying about um, <laughs> um, 
Oh, what are these guys called again? But Mothra's people, they've kind of regressed almost. They've devolved in a way, uh, reverted oh, in a way. Yeah, that's in the Bill of Saludo's particular take when they think everything's inferior. So, of course, people who are primitive in terms of abandoning technology, they would just view as, yeah, inferiors. And they would they would consider getting rid of technology a de-evolution. But although this movie's take, I think, is a little bit, uh, a little bit more negative on that point of view. So... <laughs> let's see i guess from my perspective here if i if i may answer your question is well remind me what's your what was the original question again is godzilla um good for this earth oh i i don't know i think we were talking about is godzilla earth or not uh was like the original discussion i would say that godzilla is like i think eric kind of stated this or maybe i think yeah, Caleb, you kind of put this in there as well. That he's a reflection of humanity uh, and a human greed. So I see your point to that. But at the same time, I don't think he disrespects the earth. I don't think he's one with nature per se. I think it just happens to be uh, after the fact. Uh, he's just like any it, like any sort of uh, wild animal is uh, part with one with nature, if that makes sense. Oh, but again, I don't really think that is necessarily the case here because... Yeah, he, he makes everything bend to his will. The nature has to become him in order to survive. Is that intentional, though? Is that is is that all from... Is he, like, consciously doing that? Well, again, I'm not sure if he's... I mean, in some ways, he's almost like, like a moving mountain. I'm not sure they give him much motive. Are you also suggesting that potentially he's no different than the humans when it comes to the fact that, like, because of his, like, nat- by his nature alone, he's carelessly changing his environment and it's air quotes bad, I guess, from the human's perspective. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm more looking at what the metaphor is behind the uh, what it's supposed to mean. But but yeah, no, you could you could view it that way. Yeah, he clearly doesn't give a fuck about anything. He just wants to make everyone bow to him and get rid of the things that he doesn't like, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he's again, look at him as any other like territorial creature uh, mm-hmm. with, with, with competition in mind. And he's basically no different than humans. If, if you're, if you have that mentality in that he's just, you know, trying to exist, he's trying to sustain himself and here come these humans and potentially, yeah, I mean, that, that started, started off differently where I guess, yeah, he felt threatened by human presence. And so he has, to, and maybe that does come from the earth itself. And yeah, I, maybe it is like him being called and nature's called, uh, him to be their champion and make the humans know their place. I uh, potentially, that's how I read it, at least. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm not that 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 could very well be. I think the whole aspect of they mentioned with uh, the Exifs and the Bill of Salidos that at the end of the civilization, the kind of corrupt elements of that civilization creates the monsters, and the monsters come to be their undoing. So I guess you could see that as either nature coming back to restore order or just kind of a metaphorical, you know, people being their own undoing by the manifestations of their their greed and yeah, corruption or whatever you want to say. I don't know. <laughs> yes. And little, uh, yeah. With the Bill of Saludos, though, we don't really go into, I think, I don't, I don't know if we fully go into their backstory with that. Unless I'm wrong on that. Exodus, I won't talk about because that's for the next movie. Yeah, they do. I think in the first movie, they do mention when they come. Yes, our planet was also destroyed by a monster. 
So we've created a way to uh, combat that monster. It's this Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, they see. don't go into details about what what did destroy their civilization. So that is that's interesting. And whether it was another gods, well, obviously it was a Godzilla level being, but we don't know if it was something else, and we don't know if it's obviously it wasn't Mecha Godzilla they created on their planet, and it also failed. And they came here. It's just like, hey, we're saviors. We are a yeah. We may have uh, had problems saving our planet, but we're we're here. We'll use this technology on you guys instead. Yeah, and one of the reasons I say that uh, I feel like the planet's more the humans' god, or at least Haro's god, in his group here, is because when you look at the Bill of Saludo, they're like, okay, you know, the the only thing that we can do in a world full of monsters is become a monster. Let's say they want to become one with uh, the Mecha Godzilla. Whereas the humans, again, are just trying to bring back balance and try to be one with nature and not... Uh... But uh, yeah, I guess it does get a little confusing if if you want to view this as the current state of the world. They don't want to be one with this nature, but... Well, I mean, only how do here has like that mentality, as you were saying. Uh, as as we stated, like none of these people before had the drive uh, mm-hmm. to to see that vision. This was only him um unless like and again this is not like six weeks later. this is like last jedi but done properly in that this is like done immediately afterwards like there's not even a day later it's like okay maybe it's like a day later after like the wreckage but this is one continuous story so i don't know if like all of a sudden overnight everybody all of a sudden got a drive certainly not like there's no other how to's there like if this is a traditional movie structure almost like or at least western movie structure there would be there'd be time in between each movie and then there would be several people who would come out of the woodwork who would perfect example uh batman begins dark knight first there's somebody like bruce uh bruce wayne is the person like the haru of that movie and then harvey dent is the person in dark knight well it's kind of nice we have a scene like this where haru is like okay you know my first plan did end up working but not 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 quite the way that i wanted so all my assembled troops. I'm going to lay everything out on the table and you guys can decide what you want to do next. So I yes. kind of like that scene. He's uh, he's at least uh, very transparent with them. I like that. That's that's a, that's a one good thing about this movie is that they're very transparent. Mm-hmm. And again, just like the first one, spends so much time just on minutia and details of their plan and everything. And I really appreciate that, but I could see that stuff getting really dull and exposition-y for a lot of folks. Oh, so. apparently the discourse is that uh, people did not like this one. Yeah, again, I don't think these three in general are very popular with Godzilla fans. Oh, of so course I, not. not surprising. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I could see why Singular Point may have been a way to rectify uh, their feelings on this, potentially speaking. I know these aren't popular amongst Godzilla fans, but were they popular in Japan? Because I, I'm not... It seems like, I mean... They did gangbusters at the at the box. Well, especially the first one. Uh, the the sequels did not make as much as the first one, but they still made a heck of a lot, at least in Japan proper. Yeah, I actually don't know anything about the uh, Japanese kind of reception to this compared to North America. Neither do I. Hmm. I just know they sold a lot of tickets. That much I know. <laughs> yeah, we're cool. Yeah, Caleb and I are clueless on on that. Uh, how it's in Japan, but worldwide, I think they're like the poorest performing um, Godzilla uh, films. Yeah, that's yeah. No, again, not too surprising. I mean, I I just don't feel like this kind of more dense science fiction 
really is that popular. Um, so it's again that that's one of the reasons I was surprised that Dune did as well as it did. I was expecting it to be more of like a not quite a failure, but just barely successful. That's what I was expecting. Like Eternals. Like Eternals, yeah, exactly. It did do better than X-Men, that's for sure. But did you guys know that there was a prequel novel that Yep. I did not know that until just now. Yeah, and it actually showed it. it yeah, and uh, it had, well, do you know who's in it? Well, I just know a lot of best, whatever they're called, Bill Saludos. Um, but who else is in it? 89's in it. Or I'm sorry, not 89, 98 is in it. Oh, boy, Zilla. <laughs> yep, Zilla shows up. Oh, and uh, and our old buddy, uh, All Monsters Attack. Oh, oh Ga- Gabera? Gabra? Gabera's in there. Yeah, Gabra, excuse me. <laughs> I like this. I like the music that was playing during the scene. By the way, a lot of good music again here. Some really excellent work. I think. Yep. I get a blend between classic orchestra and uh, new, new, new stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you know all those details because you read up on the novel, or you read it, or, or. I looked on TV tropes. Okay. Oh, I see. Because apparently there was a whole bunch of backstory that occurred in the novel about what happened on Earth mm-hmm. before the Exodus, and according to this, the Bella Saluto. Their planet was taken by a black hole. Hmm. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a better shot. Okay, when they're 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 looking at uh, both Minas, there. I know they're they're both. I'm yeah. just calling them Mina twins. Um, they. <laughs> I know they're showing like that they have glitter on their skin. Their skin, mm-hmm. like how dark it is. Uh, I don't know if it does a good job of showing it when it's the white markings that they have like either markings or tattoos um it's it's a lot clearer with the with the powder on the skin heck it was more clear with when it was on haru oh and by the way i do like that we keep cutting back to the ship because it'd be easy to kind of forget about their kind of dramatic situation that they're in with i mean they're all just waiting here and they're deciding whether to abandon them or not and they have a very different kind of outlook on this right right i don't know what you would call it Hands off slash, you know, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Like they're not the guys in the chair. Yeah. And they're all the, the council, the leaders of the whole thing. So they're kind of (laughs) stuck here with this upstart uh, commander. (laughs) A good, uh, not to go back to that conversation, but a good example of another like science fiction failure. I don't know how uh, Annihilation did, but also there was, uh, what was that called? Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Critically well praised, but ticket sales were just trash well a worse example of that uh is the damn matrix movie which has really good critical reception um and is is a financial failure beyond belief um because the movie costs like over 200 million and it's like taking in something like 18 million at this point and I, i read for them to make even Warner Brothers, because of all the marketing, etc., that they need to make like 470 million to break even, and they're like at 20 right now. So, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> but it, oh, and by the way, uh, just just to cut back to the movie briefly. Yep. No, that's fair. This is important. Scene. <laughs> so we get this, yeah, very kind of big exposition scene to kind of explain a lot of the current state of the planet. I, I'm just so steeped in this stuff. When we did that first commentary. I didn't realize that they only left hints to a lot of that stuff in that first movie. Cause I, I saw the hints and I just thought that that was them explaining it, but yeah, I forgot that they did a bigger 
exposition dumps. So I, I don't know if a lot of those details are really fully fleshed out in the last one when we said that they were. So, uh, <laughs> oh, you mean the lot, the previous film? Yeah. Previous film. Yeah. Uh, potentially. Yeah. I feel like it was there, but it, again, it just could have been that I already knew. And so, yeah, I think you were, they make little hints. I would I'm not going to say projecting, but yeah, it was from the last film. Uh, or, or this one. Yeah. Yeah. But, Again, I like that they kind of they don't drop every single exposition line in the first film. It was also from the lot. It could it could have been from this film as well. Like they're they're again they they the writer knows what they're do, they're doing. Yeah, and I really like this moment too. Uh, this was super cool. So they just recently built up a little bit of the mystery with this new nano metal. Then to see that it's like oh now it's kind of raised the stakes a little bit of what this is <laughs> what this is going to be. I want a. Uh... I want a bridge series to call this new metal and have like new metal be playing in the background yeah. every time it shows up. <laughs> so, so you do get some interesting kind of uh, different styles of music with this city. Which, uh, I think it's appropriate. <laughs> personally speaking, it's actually making me think of amazing Spider-Man two a little bit. Interesting. Just <laughs> kind of, Oh, we have to do things that involve electricity or metal. So let's go a little bit more electronica style. <laughs> I think it's warranted just because it's, you know, it looks like industrial civilization. It's an industrial military complex, so I, I don't see a problem with that. That's me personally. I love the look of this city, too. And I also just absolutely love the idea of Mechagodzilla City. I think that's a brilliant kind of advancement. It's interesting to think about. This whole explanation they come up with of how they're going to explain how this came to be. It's a bit much to take in, I think. I, I, I just rolled with it. I'm not going to fight this movie or anything. Um, <laughs> but it, it's a bit much to take in. How all this was extrapolated and like how it organically grew in a technological way based off its original design. And it is, it's almost a... It's, uh, it's like the room of requirement in Harry Potter which in of itself is like a TARDIS, which is it's, or I don't know if TARDIS is what I meant to say, or clonic screwdriver is what I meant to say um, in that it's exactly what you needed to be at the right time is what this Mechagodzilla city is in a way with like the rumor requirement. It's exactly what you need when you need it. It's like a, like a deus, almost like a deus ex machina. It's... But in some ways, that actually is perfect for what it's representing here, which is the dangers of technology and the over-reliance and the kind of kind of poison that it can be. Because, yeah, it services everything that you need, but it's just all-consuming, and the more you rely on it, the more you kind of well, become a part of it. <laughs> that's a metaphor for the internet right there. But, uh, but yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's why I like it as it's kind of the, the mirror to Godzilla in this one. Godzilla, in his kind of perverted nature way, is consume the Earth. And this one is just the Mechagodzilla will consume the Earth in its technological, kind of logical system structure. Okay, it's definitely the perfect foil. It's just, it's so perfect, it's as if the writer just created the perfect foil. (laughs) Out of of thin air. (laughs) Because it just is the perfect foil. Um, as you say, what actually I thought was weird. Yeah, perhaps in the first movie. Oh, I mean, 
I'm stepping on it because they, they still haven't explained it in the movie. Um, but this is born out of the remnants of Mechagodzilla, right? The before they got to activate yep. Mechagodzilla, um, which is a cool idea. In the past, yeah, it, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, I thought it was interesting because I don't know how, how familiar you guys are with Gen One Transformer toys, but I thought it was interesting because there's a particular toy that was named Trypticon. Um, and Trypticon, oh yes, Trypticon in the toys of Transformers was the foil to Metroplex. Metroplex was the uh, the Autobot city that transformed into, you know, uh, into a you know a transformer um, into a humanoid. Uh, and then Trypticon was the the Decepticon city that transformed into a, like a Me- Mecha Godzilla beast. So I just thought, well, okay, that's the perfect thing right there. Now, of course, Trypticon himself was probably based upon Mechagodzilla, you know, anyway, as far as origins. Um, but it, it's, just, it's just interesting because it is a city that transforms into a Mechagodzilla, literally. So my question is, does that mean Astro Train is the counterpart to Omega Supreme? Omega Supreme. In what way the counterpart? <laughs> Well, because there was Omega Omega Supreme was in the card is was in Gen One, I know right, that. right, right. And Astro Train was because he could, and I'm pretty sure Omega could turn into a ship, at least in Gen One, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, Astro Train was the original triple changer. <laughs> it was the first Transformer that could have three different uh, like modes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Omega Supreme. If you want to get really nitty gritty. Omega Supreme feels like to me a toy that came from a completely different toy line, and then they just slapped the Transformers like logo on top of it because Omega Supreme is so different. Just like um, the airplane Jetfire is basically like a repurposed Robotech uh, um, vessel. Ship. Yeah. So Omega Supreme feels like it's a whole different toy line, and they just like included it into. The- all right, sorry, Caleb, you wanted to say something? <laughs> oh, when they first enter the city, it kept making me think of a little bit of a mix of the, the alien ship and alien and also Prometheus. Just a little bit. I don't know if you guys, I was curious if you guys felt any of that. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. For some ridiculous reason, the way the city looks on the outside, even though that's not what the Dalek city really looks like oh. in the original Dalek story, but I just kept thinking of Dalek City. I can see that. Um, and maybe just because those those domes are like what we see in, in the modern day Dalek ships. Yeah, and we have so. the kind of metallic plants in this, and we have the metallic plants on Scar. Yes, yes. And then you have the people, the Thals, who are kind of like, I want to call them, Na- uh, not Navi, but um, whatever the moth people are called. Now, here's that curious music, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. I, did you guys have much thoughts on that? That's, I have to hear it. Because it feels so out of, out of tune with everything else we've heard so far in the movie. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. I just wondered if it felt a little odd. It's appropriate for what it's trying to convey. It's, again, music is also a way of telling a story. Yeah, yeah. And they took that real literally in Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man 2. <laughs> oh, calm down with that. Inside of thoughts. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, I forgot you like that. A little American, <laughs> American, amazing Spider-Man, American Spider-Man, amazing. He Spider-Man. is American Spider-Man, though. <laughs> Love it. Did y'all hear that 
the new hot Spider-Man rumor that oh I did yeah about they're making Shadow Dimensions nice nope oh here we go with that again dang it nope no what'd you hear Caleb that uh, in secret Sony's kind of pulling a mea, mea culpa and they're like oh Andrew Garfield uh, let's get you back for that third film oh no I, that's the old rumor I mean that's still out there for sure but the the newest rumor is that Sony is trying to get Emma Stone to be in a in a Spider Gwen uh, live action movie. Oh, oh, I did hear that one too. Yeah, I just push that aside because it seems so absurd. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, it is absurd until it happens. <laughs> yeah, the, that could be be cool. Which I'm all there for it. I, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I'm all there if it does. You know, if Sony did it correctly, they could have Spider-Man 4, Amazing Spider-Man 3, and then the continuation of Spider-Man not going home. Yeah, yeah. plus they have the sequel to the into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Plus they have Can't whatever next sequel is to Venom. Um, oh, there's a lot to going on. Morbius. Morbius. Oh, too. Morbius as well. <laughs> if that ever comes out. It is coming so out. I just got delayed again. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, this January or this month, excuse me. Yeah, now it's not coming out till April, April, March, something like that. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah, it was just announced a few hours ago. So <laughs> if uh, if Sony, you know, is actually competent, that's the thing. There's people in it that are competent. Some of the creative okay. staff are, but like that's uh, the, the heads. Who knows? At least the people running Mar- the Spider-Man stuff have been doing some excellent work, especially in the Spider Verse. I can't wait to see what they do with that that stuff. But give Tartakovsky Popeye. That's all I ask. Popeye. Oh, but you were gonna say, Eric, you uh seemed like you wanted to jump in there. Oh, so I thought I was kind of forming last commentary and then I guess I'll bring it up now. Uh because speaking of things that don't play into what the fan base expects or wants, like this not really playing to like the typical G fan. Um especially American. Uh, it reminds me a lot of what happened with the first Final Fantasy CGI movie, Spirits Within. <laughs> nice. Um, Can't wait to do that. If, I, I, don't know, I don't know how familiar you guys are with like you know Final Fantasy franchise in general, but the, God, there was so much hype for that movie. And like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, Square does so good with CG animation. They're going to do a whole movie. And... You know, it's Final Fantasy, and God, the hype was so powerful at the time because the games were at the height of their powers as well at, at that time. And then talk about yeah. subverting expectations. That that film came out in 2001, right? Some, yeah, around there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I remember okay. seeing specials on TV when they were, like, interviewing all the people, and the clips that they would show on TV just looked incredible. So I was like, oh, I got to see this. I didn't see if, it And then if you were... But then the relationship of that movie to, like, the video game franchise, it yes, it it shares DNA with Final Fantasy, but it is so mm-hmm. out there. And that's kind of how I feel this is compared to traditional Godzilla media. It Yeah, it's related, but it's out there. Yeah, I, I can actually um, definitely see the comparison. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it at first, but yeah, it makes complete but sense. But then there should be. I'm sure there's a name for this. Like if we spoke Japan, like in Japanese culture, there has to be something for like the whole Gaia genre in general. Uh, like mo- oh, I see Mother Earth Gaia stuff because that's of course what the movie 
is heavily centered on, and certain Final Fantasy games are also centered on from a different point of view. Seven. But then also, you know, I'm a big fan of Avatar 2009, the James Cameron movie. But it's obvious with that movie, no one's going to argue many things that he borrowed from. And I know he borrowed from whatever his love is with animation and anime, because I know James Cameron's into that stuff to a degree. And Mm -hmm. that's the first thing I thought of when I realized in this movie how they talk about all the biology being connected to Godzilla in some type of way. And that's how the the species are, like on that planet Pandora in Avatar. Like many of them share like a common ancestor at, at some point in their their historical biology, which is why even though there's different animals, they still all kind of connect in a way because they're all connected to like the Gaia of the planet. And mm-hmm. so I just feel like all this stuff is in that same Gaia genre of everything being connected to the planet and the life force of a planet. And, 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 and of course in Pandora, it's all about the, cause you guys were talking earlier about the Ewoks and the, and the, and the Wookiees. And of course that's exactly what's going on in Pandora with like the, the, the humans and their technology and trying to fight the biology of the planet and everything. So I don't know. I don't well, know. by the way, just to interrupt you briefly there, Again, we have another scene where, kind of like the scene in Star Wars where they lay out the plan, but this one's much more detailed, of course. <laughs> goes on for a long time. <laughs> but I love all this shit. I love they set up these things, and as you're watching as a viewer, if you have it in your mind, you're waiting for things to play out correctly, and then these little kind of hurdles show up. That that stuff just really excites me as a viewer. So I, I love those scenes. <laughs> yeah, it does too. Nothing's happening, and yet a lot's happening. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I even like the little bit of setup there with him being him kind of getting like, hey, all this stuff seems like it has to be run by Bill Saludo. Like, doesn't that seem like a waste? We have all these other people. And they're just like, don't worry, Bill Saludos don't get uh, we don't have to worry about exhaustion. And he's a little bit like, uh, like, well, what could that mean? It's a nice little setup for some of the disturbing implications of what that's going to come to later. Yes. And also the scene here with Met fees. And yes. I said it properly this time. Thank you. Uh, Metfee's here asking us favor of, I guess it was the same guy from the first movie of like, hey, can we, uh, can I like uh, get a favor to ask or I'd like you to do something for me. That's Mm -hmm. setting up seeds for the third film. Yep. Yeah. Lots of quality little, little bits of setup. Well, Metfee's or whatever. He's the Phantom Menace the whole time in the whole trilogy. He's the, uh, yeah, let's, yes, he's the Palpatine. Yeah, Eric told me that he uh, he watched the third one. So yeah, let's hold back on some of the spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is a perfect usage, by the way, Eric, of, it is. Uh, <laughs> of Phantom Menace, if I may say that so. That is great. Oh, yeah. Okay. And by the way, yes, also, Eric, I must say that uh, I, I approve of your um, of your new genre idea of just, I guess, Gaia uh, yeah, Punk. But, That's what it's called, Gaia Punk. <laughs> it makes, it's, I need a, a, a born in Japan Japanese friend, like, to verify that there has to be like a term that because there's so much of it over there they must just be used to it you know it's, it's just it is it's just like westerns are westerns you know everyone gets it yeah no i i i see what you mean yeah they have their own word for it i, I get it. but yeah here at least it's probably been discussed somewhere else on some other podcast because there's like about a billion podcasts out there mm-hmm. uh at least here now we're cementing this as gaia punk it's not I wouldn't say it's an offshoot of of biopunk 
not, it's not yeah, if you want to loosely say it is sure but like no nah, it's it's something well how do you guys feel about the introductions introduction of the mech, mechs here you mean starscream <laughs> oh man there was this short-lived toy-based tie-in series in the early 90s called captain power and it was at the time it was pretty groundbreaking because it mixed live action with primitive cgi of those days um and captain power and his buddies they kind of look like power rangers in a way before power rangers well they came around the same time as power rangers but they kind of look like power rangers because they were humans who had like these like each one had their own suit of armor that was unique um and they battled against these mechanized type creatures and there was these flying mechanized beasts and they looked just like these things whatever the heck these things so that's the first that's right where my brain went um was the adversaries of captain power oh that's interesting yeah i never watched that show but i'd i'd heard of it Hmm. It, it calling it haul on star screams that's what those things are called those mechanical beasties here's another element that i like because yeah, y- Yuko was not so much of a character in the last one. She was kind of just introduced more of a symbol of kind of the spark of life brought back to humanity that Haro was bringing. She was just kind of the embodiment of that because we didn't really get a lot of kind of looks at the other characters. But I like that this one, she has her own kind of plot and maybe gets pulled in a different direction of influence. Maybe I was technically right in that, you know, how I said there's no other human here who all of a sudden like has shares some of what Haru, uh, his, his personality and his, his worldview. I think I was wrong. I think Yuko here represents that, um, in that she was, yeah. didn't <laughs> all of a sudden she's given life Her her character. She has character now. Um, yeah. And of course we can't forget when he sent home his, or he offered to send the troops home, only three of them took it. So again, she's just kind of our window into the rest of the troops that are viewing him as their, their new leader. They've kind of had a restored uh, fighting spirit brought back to them. And also the only girl on the team right now. Yeah, we see other ones walking around in the background, but yeah, they're not, <laughs> they're not characters. <laughs> but again, I like that she has this kind of connection with the Bill of Saluto where she, she was only raised on the spaceship. She doesn't really have a connection to nature. So it makes sense that she would lean more to the technological yeah, so so basically, uh, somehow, um, Haru's drive and fire has gone into her, but her her worldview and her uh, interests lie elsewhere, rather than solely because we kind of almost <laughs> this is kind of like uh, this is kind of like Zoo. He oh geez, that's that's kind of sad and scary. Not fully scary, but it's, it's kind of sad with the people getting absorbed yeah, the by bodies. the, the nano metal. Um, but. It, she, how do here is almost going through a, a, Zu, a, a Zuko phase in a way, not a Zuko phase, but he's going through a Zuko arc uh, between like the first movie, this movie, and then the third movie. He's a completely different person by then. So this is like book two Zuko. If if uh, Caleb, you get catch my drift. Yeah, I, I do catch your drift. Yeah, okay. I keep thinking of this as in Star Wars terms, but maybe it's just he's dressed a little bit like Luke. Where he's kind of beaten down his spirit. He's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know what's going to happen next time I, you know, come into contact with this this foe that I have to face. I just kept thinking of Empire with with this one a little bit. 
No, that's a good analogy. I like that. Where are those little swampy bits? I didn't think of it. I didn't see it at all. Well, he's in the opposite of a swamp right now. He's in the Death Star. Yeah, yeah, just earlier. <laughs> but so yeah. I can see that. If you guys Google Sauron, S-O-A-R, Sor on. Oh. That's the thing I'm nice. talking about from Captain Power. Sauron is a biomech. That's what the baddies are called. And Sauron, that's that's what that's what those uh mech suits remind me of. Okay, never mind. Yeah, there's like there's two ladies. No, three ladies. Yeah, there's a bunch of them in the background, but yeah. I'm a sexist. Are. Whoops. Oh, these these look funny in live action. Or I guess they're just toys. The oh wait, there looks like live action. Oh yeah, those are to- oh, there is I think there is a live action version somewhere in the show, but yeah, usually it was CGI. Didn't uh didn't Super Sentai come out in like the late eighties, or am I wrong on that? Seventies. Yeah. Jeez. Whoops. Yeah, I think it was seventy seven and then the second or third season was the Spider Man series. A Spider-Man, yes. Yeah, which was a run of which one of this one of the seasons of Super Sentai. Just trying to think. Sorry, or, or sorry, Caleb, you please. I interrupted you. Yeah, we, we don't really get any other human characters besides, except for the, the Central Council. So Yuki Yuko is kind of our only kind of insight to the the followers of Haro. So sort of have to assume that people are going under a similar kind of transition, and I I do actually wish that we would have seen more people swayed by the Bill of Saludos philosophy. Yeah. I wish it wasn't the only one that we saw, but, but I do appreciate that we get that element that adds a little bit of nuance to it. And again, showing that humans in, in the Bill of Saludos kind of sh- share that same kind of danger with technology. Yeah. So I know what you mean, but here they're actually kind of more seating with uh side or side, excuse me, with uh met fees with, yeah, I, I guess just yeah, we, we, they're they're still uh, religiously devotes or de- devoted religiously, excuse me. So, yeah, again, uh, the balance, you know, yes. the the Saluto, they don't believe in the, the element of the soul, which you know could be a, a literal soul or it could just be an element of c- connecting to things beyond yourself. You know, the Saluto. I do know what you mean. I it's it almost like a um. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The exif's presence of their religion was was with these people for so long that I could see them still like re- retaining it um, mm-hmm. and, and being to it. But yes, it would have been interesting if we had other characters, uh, other side characters, excuse me, um, who were disillusioned. We're, we're only there. We're only in the religion just because it like it was there. It was the only thing. And then like the Bill Saluto, uh, I don't want to say hopping on the bandwagon, but like it's it's sort of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I almost wish that the scientist character would have sided with the Bill of Saluto. Being someone who's more, you know, in tune with logic and things like that, maybe he would have been more willing to side with them, even if he didn't fully go over to their side, like Yuko does, to at least be more of a mid-ground character. I agree. But he's also kind of shocked and horrified when we get the uh, the soon-to-be-revealed revelations. But Well, that and also... It, his 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 way of thinking is much different than the Bill Saluto, because um, they just have a different mentality altogether when it comes to intelligence. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which by the way, again, because we, we were mentioning some other recent kind of sci-fi failures like The Matrix, I think this is the particular type of sci-fi that really puts people off when there's lots of different words that people don't understand and names that they don't know. Yes, hard science fiction. I feel like people. 
I feel like people tune out to that stuff almost immediately. Like Jupiter Ascending. I mean, that was a bad film overall, but people are like, what are all these weird names? Screw this. I don't want to pay attention. Maybe I'm ignorant. You know what? Yeah. Somebody call me out. I feel like I'm ignorant here, but wouldn't uh, wouldn't the Matrix and Jupiter Ascending, wouldn't they technically be considered soft sci-fi? Because um, I, I would I would put some of Chris Nolan's stuff as hard science fiction. Maybe. Yeah, OK, yeah. maybe not fully hard. Pardon me. Excuse me. But just they're more hard than, say, uh, any of the Wachowski stuff. And I'm not even trying to not say that they're not uh, sci fi, but it's like hard. It, that's soft science fiction rather than hard. Well, I, don't uh, I don't I don't necessarily agree. You haven't seen the Matrix sequels. It gets deeper there. It gets worse, it, but it gets deeper. It gets into... worse. Yeah. At the time of matrix and and the sequels and i remember when who i can't remember who my friend group was at the time but after seeing the second matrix movie and i remember back in the day i used to come up with the craziest theories of like what's going to come next and something oh you did i had all these theories of what i was going to expect in the third because it seemed to set up so much at the end of the second movie that i felt like there was so many different ways they could take it and then they took it in the like the most boring choice of, of all the choices, uh, which I yeah. which I did not see coming. But um, but there's a lot going on in those Matrix movies. There's so many ideas, and again, like Star mm-hmm. Wars, they're they're borrowing from all different sources, but they're bringing it all together, and it, and it was really interesting. And there are still interesting mm-hmm. things about the Matrix original trilogy that I'll reflect on, um, aside from the. I mean, outside of the movies, there's a lot of interesting um, allegory and and metaphor going on that that yeah. <clears throat> but then again, so is probably the case of Cloud Atlas as well, because oh yeah, that might be their best movie outside of uh, the Matrix, the original original Matrix trilogy. I think. Yeah, I think Speed Racer actually holds together better than Cloud Atlas. But <laughs> what I was going to say, that's, uh, that's, you could never... That's something completely different. Cloud Atlas is too long and a little bit uneven. Uh, Speed Racer may not have much depth to it, but at least it's consistent and it remains entertaining the whole runtime. I know, but so. that's like comparing Spy Kids to like the, uh, Desperado. Well, it's from the same <laughs> same filmmaker. I mean, it's it, you know. I know, but that, but Spy Kids and Desperado have like nothing in common except their filmmaker yeah, and a couple of actors. If you're picking best movie. I mean, everything they make is flawed. Um, but Speed Racer feels the most uh, a complete vision. I suppose I if that's what you're looking for, except for the first Matrix, of course. But right. But I was also going to say, it's such a shame that you can't remove Matrix Reloaded from Revelations because at the time it was super intriguing. It was like, wow, there's all these fantastic ideas. It opens up the franchise hugely. All these things that we could learn about. But it's so tied to that that third one that once you see it, it just the whole thing's ruined. And it's like, oh, there's no point to any of this now. (laughs) So too bad. I love this. How long has it been since we've seen Godzilla? Maybe one day I'll get my Tron Legacy sequel because, uh, God, it's taken me years to get over that. Yeah, basically an hour since we've seen him. And yeah, it's there's like there's there's 37 minutes left, and I completely forgot about this. This that's hilarious. It's just how engaging this movie is. The 37 minutes is so dense; it feels like it feels like it's a whole other hour, but not yeah. in a bad way. It's just so much, still so much to come. 
in such a short span of time. I obviously am not the expert on here, and I don't know if I want to see Paramount or CBS do this, but I feel like with nano metal, me, yeah, nano metal because it's you know nano, nano machines, uh, and what's going on with the Bill Saludos plot with them and what they're doing with the nano metal to themselves, which we'll get into in a sec. I feel like that's mm-hmm. the best thing you could do nowadays with the Borg. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Um. Maybe that's, that's kind of interesting. But... Don't don't you, you two are more experienced on that than I am. So I'm just I'm just like making a stupid claim. Yeah. Maybe it fit with Cybermen more, Doctor, because okay. the Borg. I feel like you make them too mechanical and they lose an interesting part of them. Also, I see. Know, I feel like if you have. Oh, go ahead. Well, also they are they are dabbling in nanotechnology a lot in the Paramount. Star Trek series at the moment, not in a Borg way, but in other ways. So they definitely are exploring nanotechnology, though, in the current show. Yeah, I'm sure once they introduce the Borg back, it'll just be absolutely terrible. But we'll see. <laughs> well, there is that one thing, but um, I don't want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, right let's. Now. Oh boy. <laughs> well, lower decks. <laughs> no, not that. Are you no, another Picard? Paramount series. Yeah, Picard. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, but yeah, let's. So this scene here, I actually, again, I, I love the ideas in this movie, but I feel like this scene is actually handled pretty clumsily, at least in the translation. Oh, oh, OK. I thought you were about to say this. I'm like, uh, I think it was OK. But yeah, translation. I don't know if the dialogue feels as clunky as it does in the translation of the Japanese version, but some of the things they say here, it just doesn't feel like it comes across correctly. Like, especially when um, Yuko shows up and she starts trying to argue with them and she has this really terrible line where she's like, oh, we can understand what the Bill of Saluda are saying, even if you don't agree, because at least we can communicate with them, but we can't communicate with the Hatuo. And it's like, but did you miss the scene where they started speaking English? Clearly, you can communicate with them. What the fuck are you talking about? And some of this stuff that uh, Balubu or I forgot how to say their names. They have kind of funny names. <laughs> Balobo, <laughs> what are they? Balo B. I'm, I'm going by I'm going by Krypton logic here. Galugo, I think. Yeah, I, I like their their names. It's you know, it's very Krypton. You're that one <laughs> alien uh, for you, Eric, in uh, the Last of Time Lords was her name, the one who would always repeat the beginning of her name and the end of her oh, name. Her oh, Chando. <laughs> Chanta, Chanta, yeah, thank you. Uh, oh, RTD in his weird ways. <laughs> Chan, that's dumb though. There, there was another character in a, in a different franchise that did the same thing. Uh, whatever. And I also like the the idea that this nanotechnology is almost like a drug. Like it starts to intoxicate the Bill of Saludo. It gives them an access to unlimited energy, and it just kind of fucks with their brains i think that's a cool idea too and again kind of with technology i mean look at something like like fossil fuels we're all perfectly aware of what fossil fuels do but people are just so like hooked on the drug of it that they're like well i mean what like we we can't can't get away from it i mean no matter the damage it does we need to you know keep taking our uh, spice as it were or something (laughs) i mean like most sci-fi the the alien species here are just um 
what do you call it? Yeah. Analog <laughs> stand-ins for certain humans of certain positions, like political other, and exactly. religious otherwise. Well, And the whole nano thing, obviously that could be a metaphor for just us now and our addiction on technology. Not Let's not even talk about Japan. I mean, in their culture and their relationship with technology. Um, so, I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is what they're <laughs> very clearly. Yeah. So I just saw what you were talking about, Caleb. Sorry if I was interrupting, but yeah, go ahead. I just, I just came across the scene that you were talking about with Yuko and how, you know, we can't communicate. I think, okay, here's my read on it. What she's saying is the Bill Saluto here are being transparent and the Huto are not. They are being, oh, okay. they are more, yes, even though they have ESP and they can read our minds, they are keeping things from us. They're schemers, mm. as the Joker would say. Uh, they know something we don't and they're not telling us it. The Bill Saluto have been like upfront since day one. Uh, which is, yeah, this is true. They are very like blunt as it were. I have to interrupt. Go ahead. I love when Godzilla roars there and his roar is so intense that it like breaks apart the audio on the track. I don't like you just hear it starting to like crackle up. I think that's so great. I actually (laughs) feel like the, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I feel like they under not even power. I don't, I don't think they fully realize Godzilla enough in this. And I don't mean like with weight and stuff, but like how, that's funny. Um, yeah, I love seeing the how to up here too. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a, it's a, it's a very like nicely shot scene. But I think there should be shaking. Like there should be the camera shaking. Air quotes just because of his size. Again, three hundred meters, ten thousand, like a hundred thousand tons. Like he should be creating earthquakes every time he walks. Yeah, they they made it more clear in the first one. We we do see the camera shake a couple times in this, but yeah, not as much as we don't see it every time. But yeah. It, yeah, it's it's like how in the Iron Giant, uh, after a bit of time, you don't actually see uh, the shaking of his with his feet. Yeah. Every time he steps. Um, also, first time we're going to see the atomic breath here of this Godzilla, at least. not Because, again, before, just a roar and a tail swipe. This is like the legit thing. Yeah, again, I just think the their effect for it is just fantastic. Yep. Like, I love seeing all the energy moving around him. And yeah, it's so cool. I even the sound just just awesome. I seriously wish that uh, the sh- the beam had like projected and like went past the ship. Like, I know it, re- yeah, it reflected, but I wish it like went towards the ship. Didn't hit it. Just like go past it just to see like, what are those lunatics up to down there? <laughs> it didn't even work. I love the Not even work. It, it went through. So they had a defense, but it's like he's that powerful. Yep. And again, I, I mean, it's it's like what an hour and ten minutes so far, just about. Yep. And we finally get to the fight, but it doesn't bother me at all. I I loved all the stuff beforehand, and this fight is so great. It's it's worth the build up. It built so. up. Yes, they 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 gave reason for this. And I also like that it's a completely different type of battle than we saw in the last one. Like there's. We have new weapons introduced. We have this whole new city, whole new, whole new plan, basically. I mean, I like that. Even though it's still kind of working on the same. Except, going back to when I said the city is like the room of requirement, I was like, if they didn't mm-hmm. find this damn city, like, I mean, that'd be it, right? I mean, they would just pick up and leave. Like, what could they possibly do if they hadn't have found this city? If the city wasn't there, if the remnants of Mechagodzilla hadn't have evolved. Yeah. 
They, I mean, that'd be the end of the story, right? Well, they discussed just repeating the exact same plan from the first movie, but going around and collecting the resources from their ships and maybe trying to collect some natural resources and slowly preparing for a fight. This city was more just like expediting the process and giving them another advantage. I think I know what Eric's trying to say. It turns out not to be a real advantage. I, I get it too, but they do they do mention a, another plan before they discover this city. So yeah, what it, what it, what it is, Eric, is uh, that you almost sense like the DM was uh, was realizing, oh, I don't know what to do with these guys. So here, I'm going to roll, and you're going to get the idea to go find the city. And oh, hey, look, uh, Mechagodzilla City actually just is right there. Is it's like you know only a few kilometers away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah but again. Uh... <laughs> Because I was like, I remember the original plan, but the original plan sounds like a joke in retrospect. <laughs> I actually would have loved to see what the original plan was. I was going to bring that up. Uh, Caleb, you know about that, right? Uh, it would have been just the plan from the first movie repeated, right? Or were you saying it was something oh. else? Oh, wait. Yeah, what are you, yeah, Eric, what are you talking I about? Oh, he just said about, because I remember them saying that, like, we're just going to oh. collect more resources from our ships and like, oh, yeah. That's really going to work. Well, I guess this is probably the time, but um, the writer himself intentionally was going to state, I want the city to transform into Mechagodzilla and have him fight Godzilla. I, I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but of course, Poly, Poly, uh, Polygon Pictures shot that down because they said that would be impossible to animate. But even with CGI, they said uh, that, that would take, that would... or maybe not. Okay, not impossible. They would take it would take too long to animate. Excuse me, that's what it is. Yeah, I, I think it makes. But as I, I recall, oh, go ahead. Well, as I recall my research too, that's part of what super turned off G fans is that like the original poster for the movie, like showed Mechagodzilla in Mechagodzilla oh. form, and it got people super hyped. And then they changed the poster before the movie came out. And then, of course, you watch the movie. And you never see Mechagodzilla. And I hear that was part of what really pissed people off. Interesting. Well, for you, Isaac, we've seen a lot of shaking camera anytime it's around Godzilla. So I'm. <laughs> I was. Yeah. No. I. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. It's. It's also because we haven't seen him. So yeah. The, the shake yeah. again. The shaky cam actually works. Like I want shaky cam with it because he's just a big object. So of course he should like shake the camera. Also because it's air turbulence. Yeah. They say 300 meters. So that's like what close to a thousand feet, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Like that's yeah, he's gigantic. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, basically could walk on the ocean floor. Is he the biggest? At, like, is he bigger than the legendary? He is. He is the biggest. He is. Yeah, yeah. seems like it. I think the legendary is like close to five hundred feet. So yeah, quite a bit larger. Yeah, like there's like mountains that he's standing next to, and he looks like he's about as tall as them. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's between. Actually, I don't know how tall Shin is. I think Shin and Legendary are almost similar height. Yeah, I think Shin's slightly bigger, maybe like six hundred fifty. Yeah, I believe so. Actually, I think that was a point of contention where they wanted to make Shin Godzilla a lot taller than uh, taller than Legendary. <laughs> of course, but I like the introduction of the mechs. I think that adds a fun new element, and I like the uh, the trap that they walk him into. And again, I love the fact that they laid out everything that they were going to do in the beginning or, or during that setup scene. I, I just think that's cool to see them execute it. Yeah. And, um, after seeing it just theoretically displayed and then put into action, I just think that stuff's cool. So, oh, Hey, here we go. It's the, uh, the energy output on the ship. I like it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. We cut up to them again. Remind us that they're there. <laughs> Basically. 
here's the fan fiction godzilla at either in this story or in like any other story where he's not 300 meters like the the normal one version uh is the center of the death star and they just amplify his gamma oh, ray, his atomic breath so that they blow up planets i love those face on shots of him by the way when he's just marching he just got this like smug look <laughs> oh yeah he knows what's going on. Again, yeah, and, and the plan. The plan is basically the same as last time, but it's adapted. I like that. They Because it's not that nothing's going to work. Like, the, the, the same plan's going to work. Just that they, again, scale is a big thing. Yeah, and the fact that they come to hurdles with just... They didn't have the same time that they thought they were going to have. And so, then we got to do these extra layers of trying to delay him just to get a little extra time. And even then, like, him, he 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 is still not cooperate with the plan. Like, it's like, it's like, oh, he's, like, not showing resistance to this. It's like, they really have to, like, work their butts off to, like, get him to this place. Mm-hmm. Contrived coincidence. That's what I think Eric was talking about. Contrived coincidence. Yeah, and, and maybe they could have set up the nanometal in the first movie, but then maybe it would have given away too much. It's it, it's a hard, uh, hard way to make that work, I think um i think with okay what what um uh, met fees was talking about with uh with haru before or how before was with you know how he, the exifs had a uh, similar being to godzilla who overtook their civilization mm-hmm. um we don't hear what that being is so i think that that was good seating yep that's true that was a good scene and the subtle little reference to the gerbatron Gurmatatron or whatever it's called. Yeah, good. Yeah, Gurmatatron. <laughs> no, it's not that. No, it's not that. It's not the Gramaton. Yeah, that, I don't know how to say that word, but yeah, I thought that was another good little setup where he's clearly being a little bit uh, hiding what he means, and he just plays to the Billis Ludo. Where he's like, "Oh, it's just this piece of uh, like religious, this religious artifact." He's like, "Oh, it's just junk." Then, oh, okay. Yep. I love that Met Fees even too. He's like, it's the the heart of our our people. <laughs> He's like, like you you asshole. <laughs> I know what you mean. That was a pretty fun scene. Yeah, we kind of talked over it, but yeah, I guess we haven't talked anything about the uh, the whole like Gematron uh, calculation thing that they've got, where they can like predict the future to some degree. That's for the next movie. Let's let's put it that. Yeah, way. yeah. I guess Putting a pin in that. For that, but. Yeah, they've been slowly referencing that all throughout. So I guess that's a good little bit of seeding. They maybe could have mentioned, like maybe somehow the Billis Saludo still had a little bit of the nanometal that they were using on the ship. Maybe that could have helped. Yes, I do agree with that. It had only been 11 years. Or, you know, nanometal was used as like, nanometal was like inefficient for the Billis Saludo that it's only used for like a compass. No, I was actually thinking it would actually would have been a good idea to have it as part of their ship because it only been like what, like 20 years. So it wouldn't have had time to evolve like this. That's true. Yeah. So then it could have been like, wow, we could have never guessed that the nanometal would have become this and that would have set it up a little bit. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe the screenwriter had that and just couldn't fit it in. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah a couple little fixes could have made this city a little less. Yeah. Kind of out of nowhere. But but I still I still take it for what it is, and I still really appreciate the ideas for at least the kind of um, metaphorical aspect with the this Mecha Godzilla versus the Godzilla that we have here. I think all that stuff works, even if he's stationary. 
Yeah, and I appreciate that they focus that it's still very much the kind of humans versus Godzilla to take back the planet fight. Some of this stuff just looks fantastic, just to say. <laughs> I'm seeing some of these Godzilla scenes, and it's like, wow, this looks just so great. I couldn't agree more. It's really nice. I thought they were going to, like, try to also freeze him or encase him, excuse me, in the nanometal. Um, but I guess that just doesn't work. Yeah, with this, this feels like Alien 3 here. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're actually right about that. Good grief. Yes, it does. <laughs> instant hard oh wow it did harden on well me. okay sort of that and also uh what is it called uh what's the word the the title of the second hobbit movie is it desolation desolation of small desolation of Smaug. yeah kind of like the dwarves attempt to uh take out Smaug. which was not in the original novel yes a, a lot of again i love this music <laughs> Yeah, it's an adaptation. I'll give it that. It's an adaptation. It's kind of interesting. Some of the mats for the uh, the city, they look almost like they would look if this was a 2D animated film. Yeah. Or cell drawn animated film. Uh, it, it's an interesting contrast whenever you see the kind of CGI I elements think, around them. Yeah. I think they did it on purpose. I mean, just did them in 2D. Yeah. It looks pretty, though. It, it, this all just looks fantastic. Yeah, we were gushing a lot in that first movie, but I feel like we have kind of undersold how how great this movie looks on this one. It's especially on the 4K TV. I mean, this yeah just blows my blows my mind. You know what I think it is? It's also because uh, the setting doesn't change a lot. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That might be another reason why people are turned off is that in the first one we we were always changing environments. Uh, it always mm-hmm. seemed like we were in a new place every like 10 yes. Uh, whereas. Yeah, this 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 we're only like stuck in Godzilla City, not for long. It doesn't feel that long, but yeah, we 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 start out early with some of the different stuff with the Hatuo and the the forest. But yeah, we do spend a lot of time in Godzilla City. Yeah. That is what I really dislike about the late '60s uh, Godzilla movies, the lower budget ones that mm. just take place on an island. Is that all you see is the same stupid island decor, and there's no city destruction there's no varying landscapes or hardly oh yeah the the couple of ones where they're just on an alien planet yeah like an alien spaceship yes those ones also just yep so flat (laughs) but now and here's the exif just apart from the action not even participating at all just that's a little interesting it's completely yeah where metfees is just in his own little cavern which again is fitting i mean immediately once he had power he handed it to the humans they they don't really produce participate in that kind of stuff so but it's nice that we cut to him and remind us that he's there <laughs> in thinking about his uh garbage gerb- uh, whatever that thing's called grammatatron <laughs> yeah i even wrote it down to try to let me see garbitriums garbitriums i don't know fuck it So it looks like basically what happened is here. They, they got him. They got Godzilla again, obviously with like, mm. upscaled, um, except and I love this moment. Too. It's not red. It's 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 yeah, it's not red spiral, but you know, sort of. Okay. No, not really. It's not red spiral. He's basically is just doing what I would call heat regeneration where he's like over. Yeah. He's, he's basically going into like a reactor meltdown. Yes. But just- he's, <laughs> exactly just like uh destroyer 
or Desistroya. Right. That kind of a fun reference, and they they make it really work here. It's really exciting when you think the victory's there, and then suddenly Godzilla's just you can't fucking beat this guy. <laughs> Starts fighting back, even when he's like, what would you call him in at this point? Kind of in like hibernation state or something, or so I'd say more regenerative state uh, because mm-hmm. he's he's intentionally like overheating everything so that it basically gives a chance to like basically he's armor locked uh for any halo fans out there i I can't remember i i don't know if i'm misremembering because it's been a while but was gamera's thing about the heat too was that the source of his Um, strength yeah i'm pretty sure it was yeah and he would do something like this too right like he would go like into shell mode and like you yeah. have to like reheat or like regenerate and i think because of his heat thing like wasn't he like like he could recharge like in a volcano or something yeah i have a vague recollection of that it's been a while since i watched that gamma stuff yeah it's kind of leaving my brain a little bit yeah me too and i'm, I'm barely on the third or fourth film in the in the in the series but yeah oh. so they were in fury races after all i like that bit it's kind of sad too because you know they they clearly had a lot of respect for Haruro. And then to see the humans kind of just fail them in their way is kind of interesting. Galagoo. Yeah, in a way, like, yeah, right right now, basically, as is the Akira moment where uh, they're, they're overtaken by this nanometal. You know, join with me in this, in this metal. Uh, let it, let, let it, like, encompass you. Become one with it. Ah. I don't know if I see the accurate comparison. I mean, I see it in terms of just the giant glob being kind of taking over, but I don't know if I see the... Uh... I think I'm more thinking of bubblegum bubble crisis and or bubblegum bubble crash. Excuse me. No, I don't know what that is, but... This is 900... Yeah, you'll find out one day. Uh, this is sure. like 900 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. Like, goodness gracious me. Like, that's insane. Yep. We were dying this summer, and like this is this is impossible. Like bear, it's a pretty goddamn intense uh, defense mechanism. You just go into like yeah, like you said, like restorative mode, and you become almost inactive. But your defense mechanism just burns everything else around you. Yeah, and you see that big like literal heat dome. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Japan was predicting what was going to happen in BC last year. That's that's funny. And again, I don't, th- I don't believe we've seen anything like this from Godzilla before, so it's another cool addition to the franchise to throw in there. I think it makes sense just for a survivability uh, ability. Yep. Where he himself is, because he's that old, like, or like you know, 20,000 years, like he's basically an age like a fine wine. Yeah, and if you view it as his dorsal fin area being like a little mini nuclear reactor, it makes sense if they open it up that it would just release all the heat, so... Oh yes, here's uh, here's where they're like, we got to dive bomb it. So you know, set up number two, the the, the second yep. dive bombing of uh, of the of of this film series, film trilogy. Excuse me. Yeah, and it it and I like that Haro, um, even though he knows it's going to be a suicide mission, he's willing to do it. He just asks, "What's what's the consequence? Like, what do we have to do to be able to do it?" You give up your soul, but that's the line that he can't cross. So. So that that works. I think that works for Haro's character because it's all about being one with the nature, being one with the Mother Earth. 
he recognized the danger of this this mecha godzilla and so he refuses even though he would be willing to give his life to take down godzilla he refuses at this cost so i think that's a good kind of uh advancement of the self-sacrifice that we saw in the first movie yep but of course it doesn't work because that little bit of setup that we got in at the start of the movie with the whole uh I guess moth dust or whatever was on him. <laughs> whatever that stuff was. Yeah, Mothra's glimmer, glitter, whatever you want to call it. Is he he's got the asbestos on him. <laughs> yeah, and, and I forgot to mention that the scientist kind of makes reference. Was he saying that the moth people were once human, but because everything on this planet mm-hmm. needed no, to No, I don't think so. I thought he said because everything needed to become one with the monsters, they like evolved to be one with mothra in a way or, or something oh, like that from what i read uh from the gojira pedia is that it's it's not 100 percent for sure but based on the dialogue in the movie that those people's those humanoids whatever they're called um they evolved from some insect like species however that it's postulated that they were influenced by the Godzilla DNA, for lack of a better term, as well. If that makes sense. Oh, okay. But they're not supposed to be humans or homo sapien de- descendants. They're supposed to be insect descendants that evolved into humanoids, but then may have the whole Godzilla effect, just like the rest of the planet. Yeah, I don't think I like that. I'd prefer... And see, a- that would make sense, because if they have that pollen... And if they are Godzilla DNA related, then it would make sense that the pollen would would not mix with the new metal, or not the new metal, but the nano metal. <laughs> oh, Isaac, you ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I think I prefer it if they're like descendants of the fairy race. I'll take that over uh, <laughs> over that. Wait, one. who's the fairy race? Oh, the Mothra. Fairies. Oh, you mean the you mean you mean the oh you mean what's established in Godzilla. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. The Mothra. Fairy well, people. that could work if you say the fairy race are descended from insects. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's fair. And of course, in the rebirth of Mothra, we see that they're more than just those two fairies, like we usually see. So, uh, oh boy, <laughs> I guess we'll get to those one day. Also, they're not as yeah, they're not as tiny in the in this one as they are in normal canon. Yeah, yeah, maybe they had to change with the times. You know, I love all this stuff with the the Godzilla and this kind of. Yeah, whatever state he's in. I just think the image of it looks really pretty. Yeah, and even though not a lot's happening here, it's it's Haru making basically a decision and a choice. G- given like either yeah. destroy Godzilla or let uh, Yuko be consumed by this nanometal. And he's presented with two choices uh, between both the Exifs and the Bolisoludo. Yeah, and it was also the first movie we saw that he was so fueled by just vengeance and his own personal vendetta this one it becomes more about what does stopping godzilla mean like are we just going to stop him to replace him with another monster is it about hate or is it about moving on to something better so again i appreciate the the character advancement there yeah i love uh, right right now they're even talking about it basically you have to have and i think i was sort of pinpoint putting a pin in it last uh, movie but here basically it's like in order to kill a being like godzilla you have to become godzilla basically or at least that's the billa saludo uh, idea yeah haro seems to want to reject that kind of 
I love it almost. That's the idea of like a, a post-human idea of let's yep. Let's uh you, you your your mentality has changed so much. You you put aside all your ways of thinking. It's it's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean it's always a good uh a good lesson, you know. If you have a completely inhuman, just monstrous force, if you stoop to their, their levels to defeat them, are you still what you were before you fought them? I mean, is like a lot of uh yeah was it worth it basically a lot of wars throughout history could uh could look at that lesson and think about what they became afterwards and whether they still remained what did it cost again though that's what the damn harkonnens are or the bella saludo everything yep harkonnens (laughs) sorry (laughs) so so basically even without the infinity stones thanos would be able to beat godzilla (laughs) oh he's awake He's come back to life. Better shape than ever. Fuck it. I think. Fuck everything. My old friend. <laughs> Immediately just just fires up again. Screw this. So you did live for those 20,000 years, didn't you? By the way, this shot right here almost feels like a direct reference. When he was standing up with his arms like that, it feels like a direct visual callback to, uh, wow, that looks so great there. Yep. To a destroyer. Perhaps he has become Destroya, the very thing he tried not to to get rid of. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> damn, this looks amazing. Like, God damn. Now, this stuff is just so satisfying. <laughs> now stay down. That would be interesting if the metal metal kind of like retracted from this cave. Yeah, yeah, that that might have been might have been an interesting choice. Yeah. See it kind of dying with its city. Look at this guy, man. God damn. <laughs> He's the king of a destruction for the reason. <laughs> he really is. He's like the perfect image of destruction. You just look at him. Just his fucked up kind of form that he has. His skin looks all like destroyed by radiation or something. Yep. And just sitting in a pile of fire is just, just perfect. God damn, I love that. <laughs> you see the... Is he destruction incarnate? But is he also Gaia incarnate? Nature's wrath. Who knows? Always always depends on the take. Can you have it be both? Who knows? Hey, so that's why they had the little like teardrop in the beginning. It's Yuko's teardrop. And it, and it forms Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle. Which, by the way, I love that title. We haven't mentioned, but I, I think it's a great title. <laughs> I think all these ones uh, have great titles. Well, less clunky yeah. when you translate it from the Japanese, um, like a uh, word for like, what do you call it? Verbatim. Hmm. Oh yes, uh, what is it? This called? one is not direct translation, but yeah, this one is Battle Mobile Proliferation City. Godzilla Battle Mobile <laughs> Proliferation City. That still sounds so <laughs> awesome. Oh, this is so weird. His little crying trails off. <laughs> Once the screen goes dark, you just hear his little cries. It's like, uh, what? <laughs> maybe we didn't need that we uh we saw uh, i saw this in a favorite my favorite like western movie or oh. like not western western but just, you know you know like western civilization movie oh no which one i don't know uh what's a good that screaming oh. king arthur legend of the sword was pretty cool i mean they muted it but like that was still a pretty cool shot oh i thought you meant the crying once it fades to black <laughs> oh, i have no idea <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen that before but yeah, and again, another little off-tone piece of music here. 
does not seem to uh, fit the dramatic weight of the end of the film. Again, but... I assume it probably states a lot, but they did probably get a pop singer to come in here and do stuff. Whether she worked with the composer, I have no idea. Yeah, when, I, when we get to these moments, I always just think of uh, Earthshock, Doctor Who. Every single episode of Doctor Who ends with the end music, the end version of the theme. That one, they were just like, well, we we can't we can't leave on that note. Let's just go with no music. Didn't they do that again in more modern times with Doctor Who? There was one. That, They've done a couple of variations, and they ended curiously like that. Yeah, Rosa ended with that that one theme, and I think they did another time in the Chibnall era. That one piece of music that was like a big Black Lives Matter piece of music. They ended Rosa with it. But yeah, what'd you guys think of the the picture here? Since we're at the the end credits for the little stinger at the end, what, what'd you guys think? Well, starting with you, Eric, I guess. <laughs> I like it a lot more than the first one because the first one you just mm. need to get down to the damn planet, and there's too many uh, council meetings, um, and that's just oh. annoying. And you have to like wade through it all to get to finally something's happening, and then of course it ends. Uh, this was much more. I mean, because I liked it because whatever they're called, the mouth, the moth people, I found interesting. Um, I don't know. It felt more like the pacing of a regular movie, even though it still doesn't have the pacing of a regular movie, because, mm. um, because, oh my gosh, I don't know. If you're engaged in the material, it's fine. But I completely understand the casual viewer point of view. Which is you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then oh something amazing happens and then it's over and that's a bit much yeah. to ask especially again and again you know two movies in a row that's like you just you just want to be in it um, but uh, I don't know but easier to get through and now I understood and I understand the different factions and I. Whereas in the first one, obviously, I was just like kind of lost. That's fair. Uh, did you want? Did you want me to go, Isaac? Or oh, sorry, sorry. The sky falls. That's the uh, song that's playing over here. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the sky falls. <laughs> um. Well, I'll, I'll ask you this, Caleb. Did this feel like The Empire Strikes Back to you? Oh my gosh. I I. Like I mentioned the comparison earlier, I, I kept thinking of it the whole movie. So yes, <laughs> it, it does. Really? You're thinking of Empire Strikes Back the whole time through this? I was, yeah. I really was. Oh, here comes the uh the post credit thing, so I guess we'll Yeah, so put a put a pause on that for a second. Let's well it's about to. But yeah, put a pause on that. We'll uh, we'll get to our thoughts after this, because Sure. I think there was a forget I, I completely forget that the rebuild of evangelion actually had post-credit scenes oh. uh, all three of them and that one that first one came out in 2007 so i'm like oh so i guess we were the ones that uh, that got it from japan like japan were the ones to initially make the post-credit scene well no <laughs> no definitely not no definitely <laughs> i haven't seen this post-credit scene at all eh? it's a weird one it's more like a trailer yeah, a good trailer of like what's to come and what the next film is going to be like. And it's fun because it's a trailer that's done with a lot of visually interesting stuff. It's not just kind of static, you know, bits taken out of context. It's 
what was all the buildup in terms of the EXIF stuff that we've seen so far and where could it potentially go? So I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's calling back to important scenes to set up kind of like, you know, yeah, we have this religion. We've we founded this religion and um we also believe that, you know, each of the he, earth is not um the the sole unique idea of Godzilla occurring every as as Caleb you said like every civilization in all of the universe uh, has a Godzilla basically. Yeah, and it's also interesting because I've never seen a post credit scene that takes scenes that we've already seen but just added adds new context to them. So that's kind of interesting for the the post credit scene movement. It's kind of recontextualizing. Yeah, it's like. Spider-Man Homecoming sort of did that not in like post-credit scenes but with what is it called when they when I still haven't I've seen the movie in a long time but like the beginning is like footage of Pete at the uh, battle at the airport between both uh, both sides so I guess that's like new footage I don't know if that was shot there but yeah maybe I don't remember this at all interesting and who is the name of your uh uh, no, it's the beginning. It's when uh, it's when it, it, the movie starts off, with, and it starts off a film by Peter Parker, and then he's like showing his camcorder footage, and we see some of the events. Yeah, like the leading up to the uh, Civil War and all that. I'll just say, uh, I remember the first time I watched that, and he said the Ghidorah chills. Yeah. <laughs> so the, again, I mean, maybe I was a sucker, and this movie just had me just hook, line, and sinker. But I was completely completely into that moment (laughs) can i just say that um i would ruin that moment so hard because i would love somebody's probably done this already but i would love to edit that scene so like take the whole like post-credit scene edit it into like this video and then like as soon as he says it's gidra i would like show footage of like um 60s or 70s godzilla (laughs) where like Ghidorah's completely like uh, a buffoon uh, and (laughs) and just like completely ruin the build-up his heads are going crazy <laughs> can't control his heads um but um yeah just just a little bit for my reference to uh uh the empire strikes back yeah i feel like again like i mentioned we see a a more kind of defeated haro wondering like what's my purpose here like i i kind of had this cartoonish vision of once we got to the planet, it would just be this glorious kind of violence, and then it'd all be over. We see him, him more doubting himself, and we kind of, kind of a darker, more of a defeated ascetic to it. Like the first Star Wars, it's got kind of more of like that fun, kind of cartoonish quality to it. And when they have their victory, you know, it's everyone's kind of happy at the end. This one, I feel like, ends with the same way with Empire, where it's like, oh went on kind of a, a down note like there's no real resolution to it so just some of those bits and and like i said even his outfit kind of reminded me of luke when he's on dagobah oh my gosh so just, maybe it's a little superficial but <laughs> i can see it okay when you extrapolate it like that okay i'll give it to you but otherwise i'd be like hell no it, it was just coming to mind i'm not saying it's a there's a real a direct comparison it was just that's what i was thinking but <laughs> But just for my final thoughts for this one, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I, I really think that they build on a lot of the stuff that was set, that was kind of built in the first one, and they just 
add more layers, even if they repeat some stuff, they repeat it in a way that makes it more interesting. And I absolutely love Mothra. I didn't really get to mention that, but Mothra is my probably my favorite of the, the kaijus in the Godzilla universe. Maybe not over Godzilla himself, but definitely my second favorite. So I absolutely love seeing that kind of element of this. And the Mechagodzilla City as well, I think, was just a brilliant kind of juxtaposed force against Godzilla in this one. So lots of really great ideas. And I think it was all paced super well. And yeah, I just I I loved it. But <laughs> but for you, Isaac. Yeah, thank you. I like that. Yeah, I like that assessment. To even further add to your point with uh with with Empire Strikes Back. Oh my gosh. Um we had we had a new hope <laughs> at the end of the last film, which was they did beat like, you know, initial oh, yeah. Godzilla. Uh Phileas, I believe is his name. And then Daddy Godzilla shows up, and that's the beginning of empire strikes back with the adats and he like cleans house and Haruro basically loses his balls like he was trying to give humanity their balls back in the last film and this film it, he basically loses his balls and is kind of unsure of himself and that drive is is kind of gone like he he sort of like is like yes we got to stop godzilla but he's not exactly sure of himself with that front so i just i just want to mention that yeah yeah like like luke he realizes that the world isn't just you know basically just black and white he realizes that there's so much more to it that you have to think about and what your motivations behind things are i would still say the first film was also a dark film but this one certainly went a lot darker with it i'd set up already well well like i was saying with um you know the first one he he saw getting rid of uh godzilla is just his personal vendetta this one he has to kind of counter what does it mean to get rid of Godzilla? What are we replacing him with? Are we replacing him with just another Godzilla? You know, what does it mean to, you know, kill this this kind of dark force? Is it do I become the villain and replace him? Or you know so it's it's just there's there's more depth to it, I think. Um, or at least adds new layers of depth, I should say. And yeah, I just think it all it makes a, a really good second film. Yes, personally, I like this film because of the question it asks at the very end of like, what are you willing to give up? I know you just mentioned that, but yeah, what are you willing to give up? Like mm-hmm. how, how much, how do you, you yourself were this and yet you confronted Godzilla and you achieved victory with everybody that you, all the lives that were lost because of it. They, it all the victory was not in vain. Their, their sacrifices were not in vain. You achieved it. And then in comes Godzilla and basically says, no, every single sacrifice, you, all those sacrifices were in vain because that wasn't really me. And I like the fact that it, it questioned the whole, like what your mentality has to be to kill one of these things. Again, some people over here in North America don't like this film because it's, they're just going to scream captain Ahab syndrome. It's just, it, it literally is just Moby, or Moby Dick syndrome. They're, he's just trying to catch the white whale um, when nobody's actually read that book properly. So I, I, I call him up for that. Just briefly, there was a couple moments with Haro that I meant to mention during the movie, but we kind of missed them. So I really like that scene when he gathers everyone and it's like, okay, here's the plan and, you know, here's your options. I love that he takes the blame, like, you guys are all here because of my initial plan and it didn't go quite as I, I thought it was going to, and all the lives that are cost are my fault. That's completely on me. I always like that he takes his leader or his role as a leader very seriously. And I like that after him and the Billa Saludo have their big argument, um, he's the second one to to sign up after Yuko to take off in the uh, 
the vultures. And he's like, hey, things just got pretty serious with this big fight. We need to show that our alliance still has strength. So I'm going to go with you guys just to kind of prove to everyone that we're still together on this. I thought that was another great moment for him as a leader. Yeah, I do. I love that responsibility and that awareness and clarity he has of and, and how kind of um, uh, introspective he is. Um, I guess being on a being being on a, on a being on a ship for 20 years probably helps do that. And again, I'm sure for a lot of Godzilla fans listening to this, they just be like, what the fuck? Like, I, I don't see what you guys see in this. But <laughs> yeah, I see that, too. I mean, I mean, I see where you guys are coming from, but I also see the other perspective very much. So, yeah. But yeah, the, I mean, the, that's, you know. yeah, me and Isaac are just apparently just completely steeped in this world. But but I totally get why people don't don't care for it that much. But I love it. Oh, yeah. No, like I, I get everybody's reasonings why they hated Eternals. I haven't seen the film, but uh, from what like Caleb tells me, it's a well, film I probably would like. <laughs> I think so. I, the story I'm OK with, I, I think maybe the look could have been a bit different with some things. That, that would have made it a lot better for me. Agreed. Like. Yeah, like if it was a brighter look, not so drab. I don't like all. This. What's the MCU well, look, y'all? They 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 don't have color. Well, like in Guardians of the Galaxy and that cosmic stuff, there's like more color. But in Eternals, everything's very muted, and the, the their costumes are very low low key, and not in a good way. And then I I really don't like all the CGI monsters. Uh, Again, because it's the MCU. They that's 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 all they know. They're known. For. Well, some CGI yeah. monsters look good or interesting um like the big um what is it uh the lovecraftian thing at the beginning of guardians of the galaxy part two yes we get it to cgi monster but it looks like it has substance it looks like it's gooey and it's unique but the the ones in eternals just feel like generic like could could have come from anywhere cgi monsters um, could have from the come could have come from the beginning of Star Wars Episode Seven. Yeah, and again, I I really like the concept of the variants, but yeah, they're not particularly well executed visually. Yeah, yeah. So that's that is a shame. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah, I agree with all that. But what can you do? I mean, oh, but yeah. Thanks again for listening to this one. I'm sure we'll get to the the third part relatively soon, and then we can finally get back to that old Super X. I'm pumped. <laughs> Darn you, Super X. Maybe I'll okay. Maybe I'll have uh, some guys work on it this time. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, maybe we'll get a Mothra this time or another King Kong or whatever the fuck else. <laughs> but, uh, but until then, um, oh, yeah, I guess, Isaac, do you have any last words? I'm just going to end it. <laughs> no, 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 Eric, this time you give me some last what? words. What? What's your last words, sir? You want me to give you some last words? <laughs> give me some last words of advice. Um, uh, hot take. What do I do on a date? On a date. Is this what? Is that how you say? Yep. Well, I should say... Don't break any laws. Um, it's been a while since I've been on a date, but I guess that's fair. My biggest thing is I probably think too much about myself. So try not to think, try not to think about yourself, and try to just really focus on another person if they are worth your time. Um, try to put your hmm. side, yourself aside and just focus on them, and forget about what you're hoping or what you're wanting or what you think your goal is. But I don't know. Acknowledge the person as, as a real person and it, and try to remember they have their own thoughts deep inside about you. And if they enjoyed being with you, um, but no need to start planning ahead for the future dates, just live and exist in the one you're in right now.
That's very commendable. Thank you. Now, uh, using film theory, how can we take all that and apply that to this uh, this year film? I thought you were going to say peace. <laughs> um, to this film, appreciate the movie for what it is. Yes, it is part of a trilogy, but just take it on its own. Mm. Try not to think about what you think is going to happen or what you know will happen uh, in the third chapter. And just live in the moment of of uh, hero, I, uh, Haro, and and where he is in his development now, uh, and and think about his growth and and remember he's not the guy from Attack on Titan. He's not as interesting as him, even if it seems like his plight is similar. Don't get them mixed up. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw. I forgot I read about that. That's funny. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah, catch you next time, guys. I was just gonna end it, but go ahead. <laughs> oh no, I I just did some quick research. The first film to ever feature a post credit scene uh, was a movie called The Silencers from 1966. It was uh, oh, wow. it was of the uh, knockoff James Bond genre of the 60s. That movie fe- featuring mm-hmm. de- like like you right. know stupid uh, spy stuff with gadgets, but the knockoff stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dean Martin played the main Bond-like character in the movie named Matt Helm. Oh, wow. And there was a wow. post credit scene where it was Dean Martin with a bunch of beautiful women. And it just said, like, Matt Helm will return. And that was the first uh, oh, that's post-credit. Fun. And then I didn't know this, but from according to Wikipedia, it became a trend in the 80s, uh, especially with comedy movies. Yeah, I did, did not even realize that that um oh yeah ferris bueller's day off that's one of them that it cites uh also the original airplane movie also apparently (laughs) like starting in 1979 like all the live action muppet movies had post-credit scenes Um, oh yeah i forgot about that completely Hmm. i haven't seen a lot of those since childhood but i mean those are comedy movies so yeah i can i can see where that comes from of course, Super Mario Bros. had one. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, was that was that at the end? I thought that was at the end of the movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, the end credits, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I had no idea all that stuff. Thank you for that uh, bit of information there, Eric. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool about the silencers. Every, every Pirates of the Caribbean movie apparently has a post credit scene. Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I, know, I know the one from the second yeah. one. Oh, jeez. I certainly remember the Pirates movies. So that was the first time I waited in a theater, Pirates 3, to see what the, what the end was going to be. <laughs> and just for a post-credit scene. Do you remember what it was? Because I forget. The second one I do remember because no. that's when Barbosa returned. No, I don't. No, the, yeah. I don't remember what that one was. Is that the one with a dog, maybe? 
Uh, dog on like the island. Oh, oh, and then what you guys were just talking about on the post-credits scene of this one, how it's sort of like a trailer for what's to come. Apparently, that's what the post-credits scene of Matrix Reloaded was. It was, it was like a, it was like a trailer for the next coming revolutions. It was, yep. Wow, that's (laughs) sort of what they did in uh in First Avenger, where it was kind of a trailer for, uh, for Avengers assembled excuse me so yeah yeah i guess so yeah and uh a certain other film just did that recently very very recently in fact well if you count that i don't even count that if you're talking about spider-man i don't uh, yes but i mean they just literally played uh, the trailer uh yeah they did oh of dr strange <laughs> yes right? yeah but that's that's basically what they did with first avenger too i mean it's pretty damn close that was trailer sort of nuts uh, yeah because it was, it was like an early trailer because there was yeah, some stuff they changed trailer. in the uh in the final film yeah there was still stuff that was definitely in the main adventures trailer though that was in that post credits. oh yes no absolutely yeah i i know that oh and uh what was it oh yeah i mean I, we saw this sort of in transformers uh michael bay but that first one just had starscream oh, leaving yeah. the planet oh yeah Jeez, yeah. I forgot about that. I forgot about all these just about that we just mentioned. <laughs> I don't remember if Vrench of the Fallen has it or not. Oh, I don't remember either. Don't remember. I don't remember. I turned that thing off as quick as I could last time I watched it. 